Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number six, brought to you by actionfigureblues.com. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Eli. And Scott. We're three dashingly dapper guys living in Australia who collect action figures, statues, and other items from the worlds of comics and pop culture, and we like them so much, we made this podcast just to talk about them. Tonight, our Toy of the Week is the Gothotropolis Scarabus figure from the Four Horsemen Studios, and our discussion topic is Resurrected Toy Line. Gents, how are we this evening? Very well, thanks. All good here. And did we get up to much today? Um, yeah, it was a bit of a slow, sort of wet day. Um, yeah, it wasn't too bad, though. I don't have anything kind of geeky to say, but I have to share that I made the most awesome paella this evening and my whole family loved it. Ah, you're quite the gourmet, aren't you? Oh, no, not really. But I, I've found these great, like, kind of starter recipes for spicy things, and so I had a go. And I always like getting food with veggies and stuff in it that the kids actually end up liking. So it ah, make, makes nice. me feel good. makes me feel good. Very nice. Well, I continued my run on uh, interesting iPad things, and uh, I've got the home sharing set up today. Oh, which, awesome. Uh, a lot of fun, so I was um, playing my entire sort of iTunes catalogue through the iPad, which is pretty groovy. Yeah, I, I don't know if any of you guys have Apple TV, but they they just done a big you know, upgrade with the iOS 5.1, and um, I love streaming all my stuff from my iPad or my MacBook through the TV on Apple TV. It's pretty groovy. Excellent. Very good. Very good. All right. Good to know everyone's in good shape. Let's get things started with some articulated news. Impossible. The Hall of Justice under attack. Batman behind bars. New from Kenner's Superpowers Collection. Hall of Justice playset. Some assembly required. Vehicles and figures sold separately. Before we get to our main features, we start each episode with a bit of news. Articulated news is where we discuss the latest events and announcements in the toy and collectibles world. Now, these are just the stories that relate to the things we're interested in, so please don't rely on us for a comprehensive toys news service. So, guys, not much this week, but um, Eli, you spotted something. Yeah, it was announced this week that uh, Lego were uh, teaming up with Sideshow Collectibles, but I'm not really sure if teaming up is the word. I'm actually not quite sure what the deal is. It may just be that um, Sideshow are selling Lego. Um, when I've had a look at that. <laughs> that's all it looks like at the moment on the site. Uh, you go to this page and said. The Lego sets are now on Sideshow. Um, yeah, that's, and that's what I thought as well. Yeah, so, I mean, they've got like, it looks like they've got five things on there at the moment, uh, and they're big things, big-ish things. So what I think it might actually be is um, there is a bit of a discount cashback thing with Sideshow Rewards, but I think it might be tapping into their payment plans, which um, you guys have mentioned is pretty useful when you want to um, buy something that costs a bit of cash. How much are, How much are we talking, though, when you say a big thing? like? 
Well, for instance, the the X Wing that they've got on there, um, that's listed as sixty bucks US. Um, when I bought one for my boy about a year and a half, two years ago, it was about a hundred bucks Australian. Okay. Um, so that you know that doesn't that's not on Flex Pay. Uh, they've got some stuff with Flex Pay. So the Millennium Falcon, which is one hundred and forty US, so you can do two payments for that one. Okay. Okay. Or the um, the Pirates of the Caribbean, Queen Anne's Revenge. That's uh, about one hundred and twenty bucks US with flex pay so i think that might be what they're they're trying to tap into it'd be interesting to see if they actually get any exclusives yeah i think that's probably the most interesting thing that's what i was excited about when i saw that i thought surely it's going to have to be something a bit um unique or different in order for them to go into partnership with each other so hopefully that's coming Mm. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe it's also tapping into their their customer service overall. Um, in that you know they seem to have a pretty good reputation. You know they're they're looking after their customers with the flex pay stuff. So maybe it's a win. <laughs> looking after them so that they can get their money. That's right. We will <laughs> help you spend your money. Yay. I think the other thing too that could benefit us uh, international folk is that sideshow are actually pretty reasonable in their international shipping. They are, so yeah. I'd be very curious to see uh, how much it would cost to ship some of these sort of larger sets and whether uh, by the time you factor in international shipping, whether it's uh, worth getting from Sideshow or just worth sort of buying local. Well, the prices that they're listing, the US prices, um, and with, with our strong dollar at the moment, is actually is a lot cheaper than off the shelf here. So it would be interesting to see if that works out with the postage. Because I know that Queen Anne's Revenge ship, they're listing for 120 A friend of mine at work, he bought it for his boys um, at Christmas, and it was about 200 Wow. Wow. Jeez. So depending on the size of it, you could actually get it here cheaper from buying it from then than you could buying it retail here. Or off eBay. Uh-huh. Mm. Yep. Very good. All right. Well, um, moving on then. Um, Sideshow solicited a new Elder Predator statue, which um, really caught my eye because it's just a fantastic-looking piece. Uh, and it's sure Predator. If... Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am pretty partial to the uh, to the Yorkshire. Um the the reason why this one really catches my eye, other than the fact that it's a predator, is if you uh, know your predator lore, then this guy is actually the, the clan leader who shows up at the end of the second film, and um, he hands Danny Glover this sort of flintlock pistol as a type of um, uh, sort of a trophy for defeating the main predator of the film. And uh, this guy just looks amazing. He's he's one of the best designed predators. He's sort of got this really sort of grizzled veteran kind of appearance. And uh, but he actually featured in a comic book from Dark Horse, which um, showed where he got the flintlock pistol. He actually picked it up from a pirate captain sort of a couple of hundred years ago. So that kind of implies that he's, you know, a few hundred years old. And... Look, I saw the piece and it just blew me away. It's detailed. He's He's got the, the pistol in his hand and the only thing really sort of stopping me from, from picking this one up other than the obvious price tag is that I'm, I'm really hoping that Hot Toys will actually do a new editor, a new elder predator figure. So, um, yeah, I think Andy probably feels the same way that we're going to just sort of skip on past and try and um, wait for Hot Toys to do something. What's the scale on this statue? And I can see the pictures with the ever-reliable sideshow Apple, um, but 
what is the actual scale of it, do you know? Um, I haven't actually got any of the Sideshow Predator statues, so I think it fits into their sort of comicette line. So it's not one quarter, it's actually the scale below that. Okay. So, yes. That uh, trophy head on, on, the, on the base looks interesting. Oh, they're amazing. The, the little extras that they do uh, are just fantastic, and really the Predator must be one of the hardest characters to capture because there's just so much detail. Like that netting and the, 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 the bodysuit must be just... It must drive the sculptors insane. Mm-hmm. So... Yes, and uh, something else that I think uh, G.I. Joe fans will be really excited about is the announcement of Snake Eyes in their 12-inch action figure line. This is the um, the action figure line produced by Sideshow themselves. It's not um, not one of their other sort of Hot Toys-type lines. And I guess it's pretty, um, pretty important for G.I. Joe fans because they didn't actually start the line with Snake Eyes. They've actually featured several other characters before finally getting to this guy. So I'd say Joe fans have um, been hanging out for this guy. Hmm. Are you, you're a, a G.I. Joe collector in other scales, are you? Or No. Um, I, I, I love the concept of G.I. Joe. Um, I'm really big on sort of all things tactical gear and, and guns and stuff like that, and so it's kind of odd that I'm not. But I tend to live vicariously through um, through our buddy Nick, a.k.a. Tyrock, because he's got an enormous G.I. Joe collection. And uh, I guess because the line's been going so long, I didn't want to sort of jump in and then get addicted and find myself spending billions of dollars on getting old ones. And so um, I kind of have a, a dream that one day they'll do a six-inch line and I can start at the beginning. Hmm. So, but it's certainly a beautiful looking figure, and as usual, you get with Sideshow, you get the swap out heads and things like that. And the dog as well. Yeah, it's some sort of wolfy. The wolf, that's his sidekick, yeah. Yep, so it's nice that they threw that in as well. You you can tell Eli and I are filling in all of our amazing G.I. Joe knowledge here. (laughs) There's a a puppy. (laughs) Oh, there's a little doggy. Yes, maybe we could actually have a discussion topic one of these days about, you know, pet sidekicks. (laughs) Anyway, all right. Look, I'm sure when we get um, Engineer Nerd, a.k.a. John, on the show, he can uh, regale us with all the sort of um, G.I. Joe knowledge we could ever want. So, all right, well, moving right along. And, Scott, you've got a little bit of an update on the Hasbro sackings. That's right. You mentioned last week in the news segment that um, Hasbro had laid off 150 people. Now, this news was out a little bit before that, but not something that I had picked up, that David Vonner um, has left Hasbro. I don't know for sure whether or not he's a part of that 150 or whether it was on his own steam, but uh, it's bad news for the Marvel Universe line, um, for sure. You know, if you've uh, listened to any of the um, podcasts that come from the different uh, conventions and listen to any of the Hasbro panels, David Vonner has been, I think, key in making Marvel Universe what it is. You know, he is a, he's a fan. He loves the characters. He is, you know, so passionate about um Marvel in general and so to to see that he's left and that he's not going to be involved in that anymore is a real shame and I, I, I we wish him well whatever he's doing but it's uh, pretty disappointing to hear yeah it's really quite interesting I, I mean I'd really love to know whether it was something that uh did they just sort of not like where the line was going were the sales poor um i mean it'd be interesting to sort of find out the reasons behind well, this he was involved in marvel legends as well um yeah. and you know he which we know is doing well and um you know i heard him on a 
uh, the Hasbro panel from New York Toy Fair, and you know it certainly didn't sound then like he was going. So you'd have to think that you know he probably didn't go by choice, and I think that's a, it's a real shame. Yeah. Well, he's hoping that some other company out there can uh, sort of take advantage of his expertise and uh, pick him up. Absolutely. All right, guys, any other news, or are we pretty much wrapped it up for this week? All good here. Excellent. All right, well, that wraps up Articulated News. We'll be right back with the Toy of the Week. You can make them fly or jump or crash your wall. Superhero action figures over seven inches tall. Each sold separately. Superman, Batman. These superhero action figures each sold separately. Batman, Superman, Incredible Hulk, and Spider-Man each sold separately by Mego. Well, now it's time for one of our feature segments called Toy of the Week. Each episode, we take turns looking at one toy or collectible in detail. Uh, This might be a new release, or we might talk about a favourite or bizarre item from our collection. But uh, this week, Eli has the Toy of the Week. So over to you, Eli. Thanks, Ben. Um, So the figure that I'm reviewing is Scarabus, and this is from the Gothotropolis line from one of uh, the Four Horsemen Studios' creator-owned lines. Um, We know the Four Horsemen, of course. They're the guys who apparently used to actually work for McFarlane, but um, we know them more for the work that they've done for Mattel with the DC Universe Classics and Masters of the Universe Classics. Prior to that, they also did the the Masters of of the Universe 2000X series and uh, the ones we've mentioned quite a lot, NECA's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ah. Mm. And I'm sure they've done a bunch of other stuff there. Very successful. I mean, if you think about DC Universe Classics, 20-plus waves, and Masters of the Universe Classics, three years of the subscription. Yeah, they've done okay. They've done all right. <laughs> well, we to be honest, I, I actually don't think I could name some toy sculptors other than the Four Horsemen. Uh, uh, what's the – is it uh, Brewer? No, yeah. he's not the sculptor. Bruckner. Bruckner. T- Tim Bruckner, Karen, oh, Pol- yes. Karen Polinko. Okay, yeah, take but, it all back. Yeah. Take it back. yeah, you're wrong. Okay, go on. I'll, I'll be in the corner. Please continue, Eli. <laughs> so anyway, the Gothotropolis line is um, it's it's a little bit indulgent, as I said. It's creator owned, um, but it's mainly it seems like it's mainly for them, for the Four Horsemen uh, guys, and also for their fans. They've done um, a couple of other lines before, um, Seventh Kingdom. Uh, which was uh, they as part of that there was the Fantastics exclusives. And mm. I think Ben, you may have a couple of those. Um, yeah, I've managed to pick up a few of the the Seventh Kingdom figures, but geez, they're uh, they're pricey to get hold of. Yeah, after the fact, yeah, it's, Is it it's on the secondary market. They're pricey. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. And because they're not available um, for retail at all outside of the states, you've got to um, pay postage. Okay. Um, I picked up a couple of the um, the. Uh, cat-like figures from the court of Queen Alexandra. Really like those, besides the fact they're based on those really skinny waif-like um, bucks similar to the, the the female bucks from DCUC. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's not a recommendation, but I, I've seen the pictures of those. They are beautiful. Yeah, they look really good, but they're pretty fragile once they get out of the package. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but a lot of this creator-owned stuff that Four Horsemen Studios does, it's very anamorphic, so, you know, human-like characters, animal characteristics. Um, and there's a lot of uh, mythology brought into them, like, you know, Egyptian, Greco-Roman stuff. Um, 
whether or not any of it actually means anything or it's just a cool idea to make cool shit for them, I think that's more more that case rather than based on too much fact. There's a lot of reference art that's obviously gone into it. Hmm. Um, but the, the Gothotropolis um, line, so they've done a couple of – the only other thing outside of the Scarabus figures they've done is a timekeeper's thing, and I'm not sure what the overall story is. I think it's all a bit fanciful, but there's a bit of that uh, Egyptian mythology and underworld stuff going on in there. Um, so this figure that I'm reviewing is the standard Scarabus, um, and uh, it is the – it's hard to say it's the standard one because um, there are quite a few of them. <laughs> um, there's uh, they they refer to them as variants, but um, they don't all seem like variants. Some of them just seem like totally new characters. Um, there was a ten pack that you could get uh, when this was released. This is last year in 2011, and some of them had same sort of uh, head sculpt, um, and others just had totally different ones. And there was differences in colours and decos and anamorphic representations and all sorts of things. Um, so it seems pretty indulgent, and I've just bought the one. I know there are some people that bought those 10 packs, snapped them wow. up. I think one of the, guys on the, the new guys on the forum, Skullshine, I think he's got a, a whole heap of them. He may have the 10. I stopped counting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you, if you really liked it they are, and you wanted it in different variations, I can see... Mm. Why you might go for that? Because it's certainly a beautiful piece. Yeah, yeah. This the, the detail is amazing um, for this scale. This it's measures at about seven and a half inches, so it's in that sort of six to seven inch scale. Okay, uh, what does he retail for? I picked him up for thirty bucks US, and I think you can still get some from the the store horseman site. Um, not all the variants are available, but there's a few. I think this main one is still available. But um, as I mentioned, um, it's not available in Australia for retail, so you've got to pay for shipping, and, and it was pretty expensive. So I actually got it sent through a proxy ah. from somebody in the States who then sent it across with some other stuff I was getting them to pick up for me. Hmm. Ah, very so, clever. Yeah, so I think I paid like, um, it was probably about 15 bucks postage in the end, the, the, the double hop. So but yeah. at 45 bucks for one figure, it's, it's not a cheap thing. So, based on uh, the fact that this, uh, these are the same guys who did the DC Universe Classics for Mattel, how does it measure up to, say, a DC Universe Classic as far as the, you know, the paint and things like that? Uh, I think there's a lot of love gone into these. Um, they are a pet project, as I say. Mm. Uh, so, the detail and the paint is really good. Um, there's so much detail that they have to cover in the paint jobs. And, you know, you just don't see a lot of slop because there's just not a lot of them to be made. I, I can't – we don't know the numbers that are made for DC Universe Classics because, you know, Mattel's not in the business of telling us. But um, I would imagine the, the production run for these is pretty small. That's actually pretty impressive because it's really a detailed figure. There is just uh, insane amounts of detail on his costume. 
Yeah, yeah. So the the, the figure is um, for those who haven't seen it, and they're just relying on my description of it. <laughs> <laughs> Action figures uh, for the blind. Yeah. <laughs> if if you think about the um, so I mentioned the anamorphic stuff, but think about Egyptian mythology. Think about like Isis, Osiris, Anubis, those sorts of gods. You know, you got birds and goats and all those sorts of things popping up. Um, it's got a sort of sort of humanoid face with big ram horns or it might be some other oxen sort of character mm, um, yep. curving down it's and and the actual mini story you get with the card back it's it's like a, a dormant uh race of beings but have been reborn in the 23rd century 24th century so it's um sci-fi mixed with you know bc mythology type of stuff um Lots of um, so scarabus, as the name would in, uh, indicate. There's there's a, there's a scarab motif on the costume, so on the belt and on the um, the hand, the arm guards, the forearm guards, um, and it's got um, you know a mixture of sort of flowing regal gowns and um, some some gold-plated armour. This figure's actually, you know, I can talk about this one particular. All the variants have got slightly different colour variations, but this one has got the dark red sort of regal gowns with the gold um, uh, deco on top of it with, you know, I guess what's meant to be like a um, turquoise inlays and, and bits and pieces like that. So it's meant to be you know, the Lord and I think he's, the subtitle is the Lord of the Resurrected. You know, it's, <laughs> Ooh. He's pretty. That's kind or of sounds like Barry to his mains. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, just looking at the, I don't know, own one of these figures, but you, you're certainly talking into it. But just, um, just checking him out. I know that there's, I notice he's got cloven hooves for uh, for feet. Does that um, impact on his ability to stand up at all? I'm going to be honest and say I haven't tried. <laughs> He's, he's still sitting in the blister pack and, and he's been like that since I got him. And actually, when I pulled him out to actually review him, it was the first time I'd actually sort of slid the card back out and, and pulled the blister out of the, the plastic um, and uh, and had a closer look at some of the other details. I imagine that with the um, cape uh, weighing down the back with those cloven hooves, there's probably going to be a couple of issues. Um but, yeah, as I say, I haven't taken him out to find that one out. Though, he does come with um, a, a staff that may help in stabilising him. Okay. I just um, You just mentioned that the, the card back actually slides out. So does that mean they have uh, collector-friendly packaging? Very collector-friendly, yeah. So That's you, nice. can, you can take it all out and put it back in, so, which is incredible for a figure of this scale. Mm. Excellent. Um, they could, you know, they could, the only thing they could do better would to be have a box with, a, you know, a fold-out um, cover and and slide out the whole thing, mm. you know. But then you'd be in that uh, the next scale up. So now that you've actually got this one in your hands, are you tempted to actually get any of the others? Um, not any of just the the variant variants, as in colour and deco changes. I might be tempted to get one of the other sort of anamorphic variations, so, you know, maybe one with a more bird-like head or, or goat's head, uh, which do look significantly different. There yeah. was also a dark and a light um, variant made, and those look pretty sharp, 
but again, they're just variants, and I don't think I'm going to. Um, I, th- I think the trick is: is this thing will stand by itself really well, mm. and then what do you do when you get the variants? How do you how do you position them in a display? Which one takes you know? Which one is the one highest up in the display hierarchy when they all look similar? I think one thing that I can see, you know, working about the different variants is because they are such strong colors that, you know, just visually one might appeal to you more than the other, um, you know, where, where, where the dominant color is. And so, you know, I think it's probably a, a smart move, particularly if it's a line that, you know, that they're obviously putting their own money into, they don't have backing behind, they, they're going to get the most out of the mold. And if they can make things that appeal to, um, you know, to, to different eyes, then I think it's pretty clever. Do you think that, that there's any shared pieces between this line and any of the other things that, that we know them for? Uh, I don't, well, I don't think the, the, the tool, well, I don't think the, 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 um, I don't know. So the, the cloven hooves, for instance, I don't think you'll find that on anything outside of their own, uh, properties. Hmm. I haven't seen them in DCUC or the Masters of the Universe stuff. I think it's um, it's all that's them. Yeah, that's yeah. them. Um, they may be share, may have shared some of that tooling with some of the Seventh Kingdom stuff. I'm, I'm not actually sure, hmm. but um, yeah, the, it does have that the common sort of articulation and um, you know joint structure that they that they're using for the Mattel stuff. Hmm. That's so what I was they, wondering. It kind of looks hmm. like under like. There could be almost a male DCUC buck underneath all of that. Yeah, yeah, and no, essentially it is. It's, mm. but it's, it's not, you know, just a straight, um, you know, grab a couple of upper arm pieces from, I don't know, one no, of no, the. No, no, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, but they are using the same sort of, uh, I can know, the scheme, I guess, of what they're doing for Mattel. Mm. I know it's a bit of a boring co- comment, but one of the things that really stands out for me are the hands, just mm. the, the the way they've been done. They've got that really sort of strong gesturing. Um, I mean, for those people who don't have uh, a picture of this handy, he's sort of got these energy things around his hands. But, you know, I just look at the really boring hands we get in DC Universe Classics and think, you know, I'd, I'd love to see some hands like that. In, uh, yeah. Well, this, is a, this, this is like a... You know, like a um, a twelve inch sort of figure, you get a bunch of extras with these figures. So the the picture you're looking at with the glowing, um, flamey things on the hands, mm-hmm. they're actually attachments. What you actually get is three sets of hands in in this, and so you've got a clenched hand, you've got a um, a, a hand that's able to carry a weapon, and you've actually got this sort of open claw sort of uh, hand as well. Mm, wouldn't that be nice? Because one of the things that's been really bugging us with some of the um, DCUC and now Club Infinite Earths figures is the, you know, we're, we're, all we're getting is fists or, you know, the, the the one hand and often they can't hold their weapons or, you know, mm. they, like one of our um, AFB forum members put in a question from Mattel about Poison Ivy saying, like, you know, why why does she have fists? Why, why not outstretched, you know, hands and something kind of appropriate for her powers? And it's, I don't think it's a boring comment at all, Ben. I think that there's so much more energy in those hands. And by the way, I'm going to try and make this 
photo the chapter pick for this section of the podcast so hopefully you'll be able to see it in the enhanced podcast um but if not we'll, we'll certainly try and put a picture up on the website but there's so much more energy in those hands than your kind of yeah. stock standard action figure hands yeah, it's definitely. disappointing it, it's disappointing when you realize just how many figures could benefit from open hands i mean i know we're getting in we're sort of digressing a little bit but you know what, us digressing exactly oh, I know. Me. but the you know all the magic users, the Doctor Fates and Raven and and characters like that could really benefit from something like this. But I guess that's why we have the price point we have, and uh, mm. I guess that's the price point we have for this figure too. You know what, mm. what, what I love about this is that, and thinking about our discussion topic a bit later on, some some much of what we see and collect are referencing some other property. You know, it's a comic book or a film or a television show. And, I mean, there's obviously a lot of creativity involved in that, but just to see people go to town with something brand new um, is it, it's just clever, and it shows what they can do. And um, But I think it also shows how reliant we are on kind of existing ideas that, you know, we don't get many toy lines that you know, they couldn't sell it at retail because it, people wouldn't uh, stock it because there's no sort of reference to something else or guarantee that it will sell. But it's just bloody creative. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the moment we're getting blockbuster films and they don't even have action figure lines. So, no, yeah, it's quite a credit right. to them. There's also, um, I talked about the extra hands that you get. There's there's uh, actually the staff, it's got a sort of a scepter thing on it with a scarab motif and a green glowing uh, globe that you, ball that you get with that. You can actually swap that out and put a, like a spearhead on there. Another cool little feature. So just nice. with the, the extra hands, mm. the, the ones that have got the green flames on them, are the, is that attached then or is that a snap-on thing? The, the flames are snap-on. Okay, cool. So you can have those. Well, you could probably only have the flames with the uh, the clenched fists. I'm not sure if you could have it with the um, the weapon-holding fists or not, mm-hmm. but definitely with a clenched fist. But what's actually cool, and I haven't actually done this yet, but it actually comes with a couple of extra face plates, so you can actually take the face off. Oh, wow. And oh, you can replace the face. But it looks like there's actually a... Um, uh, you can actually remove this whole headdress and replace it with another headdress, which is sort of a, a black one. And there's these two really bizarro horn things that you can attach in the place of the um, the, the ram uh, horn type of thing as well. So it's it's a, you can do a hell of a lot. It's interesting thinking about you know what we were just talking about with um, the comparison to DCUC, and uh, I mean this is ten dollars more than a a club infinite earths figure basically mm. um you know that's a, it's a lot more that you're getting for that price point for only 10 bucks more yeah and even for somebody like yourself scott who you know doesn't have much time for accessories that um can't be held or used you mm. know at least you've got the choice of how do i want to display this because suddenly i've got i don't know i mean instead of one or two options i've got like 16 options i could go with exactly now. exactly and particularly with, you know, sorry, I'm, I know I'm referencing this back to the DC stuff, but when you've got characters that have, you know, people want different versions of, um, you know, what what a great way it would be to be able to deliver um, that with, you know, slightly different face or head or, yeah. I guess it's similar to the, uh, the Comic-Con exclusives, like the price point is around the same as what we paid for Plastic Man and Swamp Thing, and, and certainly for Plastic Man we've got plenty of options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a great great figure, and um, I, th- I think it will eventually. 
come out of the packaging properly and get a place, but um, we've been a bit in transit, so it's it hasn't actually found a nice spot where I can look at it and nobody else has to. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, then. So um, any final thoughts, Eli? You want to go so far as to give it a rating out of 10 or...? Uh, you know, I couldn't go past a ten out of ten for this thing. It is, it is everything and more. Wow, fantastic! Ten dollars. Excellent. Ten dollars out of ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks very much for that, Eli. So um, that wraps up the toy of the week. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the new items that we've added to our collections this week. And the heavily armored evac fighter. Send in the Marines. Blast them. Yeah. And bottle them. And it's bye bye bug. Each sold separately. Aliens. Well, we're all here because we collect. So feeding the addiction is where we take the time to check in with each other and discuss any new acquisitions or pre-orders that we've made. So uh, I might throw over to Scott. Anything new for to report? I didn't think I was going to have anything new. I, I have been waiting for ages for my Masters of the Universe Sorceress and Fisto figures, and I still don't have them. Um, but I did get the Fearless Photog figure this week, which is a bit of a, a throwaway. I mean, I, I do like what Mattel is doing in terms of really referencing all of the history of the He-Man line, and Fearless Photog, of course, was a, a fan-suggested figure um, when people got to vote from from five different fan created figures on one to be made fearless photog was the 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 figure that people chose and so to have that um you know referenced in this line i think is quite fun um but you know certainly not something that's going to be a big feature in my my masters of the universe collection um but i did end up making a pre-order um this week i obviously am a big Bowen Designs statue fan. Um, they have just produced a Professor Xavier uh, statue, which is one that's done in his big yellow hover chair. Um, oh, yeah, 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 and cool. I, I didn't pre-order that because I was um, thinking, oh, I'll, I'll hold off and wait for a, a wheelchair version if they ever make it. Don't know if you know he's really essential for the X Men display, but now that he's out, I've seen a few fan photos of him. He's also done by Kuro Malavi, who that's one of my um, you know favorite Bowen sculptors of the the current crop, and so I I pulled the trigger on that, and I've got that on the way. Um, the other thing that I did manage to track down um, this week, which I is not a a, a toy but it's a comic book i'm a big um avengers fan and one of my favorite avengers um is uh the second captain marvel the female version monica rambeau who now goes by photon um she was just a a new character right when i first started reading comics she was in secret wars and um you know i'm, I'm a big fan and i managed finally to track down her um, first appearance, which is actually in a, a Spider-Man issue. Um, and I, I've been looking for it for a while in good condition um, and finally managed to track one down on eBay and got it this week, and I'm very excited about it. Oh, well done. Yeah, Excellent. So that's, that's quite a yeah, broad range. It is. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Eli, what about yourself? 
Uh, yeah, I picked up a few things this week. I usually don't pick up much, but um, I picked up the uh, Marvel Legends Iron Man Extremist ones uh, that uh, eventually came in. It's a good-looking figure, you know, stature aside. Um, I also picked up for my boy, um, there's a there's some custom, not custom, they're sort of mass-produced but unlicensed Lego uh, accessories that you can get. Um, there's a thing, a place called Brick Arms, and there's a, there's a local Australian retailer for them. Basically, it's a whole bunch of um, uh, custom-made um, weapons and accessories, um, a lot of military stuff, but also some sci-fi stuff, so... We picked up, uh, you know, you're talking like a buck a piece for for uh, for a weapon, which you know probably sounds a, a bit, but it's it's a pretty cool little extra to have that you won't find anywhere else. That's so they're a really clever cool. idea. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, all sorts of accessories, and they they even do like custom figures, like you know, um, a bunch of the different um, Fett type, like Boba Fett, Jango Fett type of characters. They mm. do some special versions of those types uh, from that family, and. Um, but it's it's mainly the weapons that are the the things the kids love. That's cool. Yeah, yeah what a great idea. Um, on the back of uh, Justin's um, sad story about you know they <laughs> broke my heart when they put a bullet in his head. I can't, I, can't uh, believe I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the we way all... the way it was said. It was you know, it was it was charming. <laughs> But um, I was just cruising eBay as you do in your favourite category and refinements, you know, looking for things, you know, that's hopefully something's going to pop up in your save searches and things. And I saw um, a complete run of uh, Blue Beetle issues 1 to 24 uh, for sale for a good price. And, um, yeah, I grabbed those and and um, and I've ordered the Secret Origins 2 with the, um, the two Blue Beetle stories in it and I'm going to turn that into a little... Binding project. I was just about itself. to say it sounds like a an Eli binding project. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So that one, that was a good little pickup, um, and also worth mentioning. Um, picked up the the new comic from Brian K. Vaughan uh, today. This uh, was just yesterday's saga. Oh. If you can get hold of that one, get hold of it. It is a cracker of a new story. Uh, I love Fiona Staples; her art's great. But um, this 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 is a, going to be a saga. Is it an ongoing series? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know how, I'm sure, you know, it's Brian K. Vaughan. Oh, yeah. he's, prob- he's probably got a vision for it. Yes. Um, you know, there's probably an end to it, but uh, it's just a, it's a great, great start to a new series. I wonder if it's available digitally. I uh, Image Comics? Okay, I, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Oh, that's quite the haul for you this week, Elon. I know, it's massive, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Um, well, I actually didn't think I'd have uh, anything to report this week, but during the week I actually got an email from our buddy Mike S. And, you know, you just have to love an unsolicited email from Mike S. It usually means really good things. So I, uh, I opened that with interest, and Mike actually managed to get some more Marvel Legends in, but this time around he actually got all the variants. So I've got uh, Pile Driver. Um, Madam Hydra, or Viper as I prefer to call her, and um, my I guess the, the collector in me really came out because I, I couldn't help myself, so I ended up getting the, the white costume, um, the Fantastic Four Spider-Man as well. So, I mean, well, that's I'm, a fair enough variant. I mean, that's a, a, a much more meaningful variant to me than Big Time Spidey. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, it really goes against everything that, that I believe with my displays. It's not like I'm ever going to have it uh, on display with another Spider-Man. But really, if they go and do the rest of the Fantastic Force um, guys in their costumes, I'd be sort of tempted to, to sort of have a, a little separate display because uh, I've, I've read a few bits and pieces of Spider in the, the sort of new Fantastic Force or Four or whatever they're calling themselves, and yeah. he's, he's a really good addition. I, I, I was quite enjoying it. So... So that was, um, yeah, that was my little swag for the week. So you, you've got them or they're on the way? They're on their way. Okay, right. So, yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, if no one has any other items to report, it's time to award another red card to something or someone in the toy universe. What is this, bizarro world? Well, Red Carded is a chance to poke fun at the WTF moments in our hobby, be they unusual announcements or a complete fail of an action figure or worse. So we have those moments in our hobby and we like to poke a bit of fun. So, Scott, you've got one. I do. I I, um, had an interesting anniversary this week, and that is that one year ago, on the uh, 15th of March, I pre-ordered the Gentle Giant Black Cat Bust, their exclusive version. Um, When Gentle Giant first came out with the news that they had acquired the Marvel license for busts and some statues black cat was the the first item put up for pre-order and i thought wasn't she yeah yeah and and i thought oh you know it'd be interesting just to have a go and compare it to a bowen bust so i went ahead and i pre-ordered the exclusive version and i was just rummaging around the other day thinking you know that still has not come out and went searching for it and saw that on the day i looked for it it was exactly a year and it still hasn't come out yet so i was nominating that for a red card already thinking you know seriously that's a long time to um, take to actually produce something particularly when you've made such a big deal of it but it actually gets a little bit more interesting I I sent them off an email with you know on top of my confirmation email saying hi just wondering you know this has taken a really long time Um, you know what's up with this and I got a reply back this morning saying this is a pre-order item which we'll be shipping soon however your order has been cancelled because we don't ship to Australia now, I, <laughs> I yes, nice. so I went to the website and 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 I got an you know, email saying it, it's very clearly noted that we don't ship outside of the U.S. and territories, etc. And if you look on that page, it's there in big red text now. But I, I'm a pretty clever fellow, and I'm used to having to check as to whether or not things will ship to Australia, having you know lived here for as long as I've been collecting toys, and um, I, I'm sure that that wasn't there at the time. But the thing is, is that it let me put an order through. It sent me a confirmation email with yeah, my exactly. Australian shipping address saying that uh, my order was confirmed, and I never received a cancellation. So it was quite interesting to find out today that this thing that I've been waiting for for a year, I'm never actually going to receive anyway if it ever really does come out. So if it didn't qualify as a red card before for taking so long, General Giant certainly deserves a red card now for um, at least terrible communication. Um, you know, if you if you don't ship somewhere, then don't accept the order for it in the first place and don't send a confirmation saying your, your order is confirmed which i've got in writing for something that you don't intend to supply so wow. boo, boo hiss to gentle giant for lots of things yeah if you've got yeah. enough smarts in place to automatically send you an email risk confirmation they should have enough smarts in place to figure out where you live 
Yeah, yeah. I've actually had that debate a few times with a couple of different companies, and the most common answer I get for not shipping internationally is, "Oh, our software system can't handle it." (laughs) (laughs) Your software system's not the thing fucking sending it. (laughs) Look now, I mean, I will say I know with some of the Marvel licenses, for instance, um, Bowen's Marvel license means that the items that they sell, they cannot sell out of the U.S. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it may well be that that restriction, you know, is there. But if 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 I went to try and order something off the Bowen website, it wouldn't take my order. Um, yeah. So any, anyway, I just w- whatever the reason, I think it's pretty poor. Yeah, that's really terrible. And this was the exclusive version that comes with the gem, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Look, I mean, the, uh, now that I've seen them in in some. Uh, convention photos and things, they're not going to be in scale with Bowen. Um, they are a bit bigger anyway. I'm not that sad. Um, Bowen is coming out with a retro black cat full-size statue, and so I'm just counting it as money saved to, to go towards that. But it was not a, a great experience, and I'm certainly not going to be rushing to attempt to own anything Gentle Giant in the future. Wow. Yeah, that's... Have any of the subsequent busts shipped since? Uh, I want to say yes. I think that, that I've seen a couple of them, maybe the Lady Deadpool or you know another one in stock at Big Bad Toy Store. So, but but you know, with my propensity to get things wrong on the podcast, I'm certainly not going to commit to that. Well, that's interesting because I picked up the Squirrel Pool bust from the San Diego Comic Con last year, so they certainly got that one through production and made available quite quickly. Mm. So I wonder what the actual issue is. Mm. Yeah, all right. Well, that's very sad. So we'll have to keep an eye on Gentle Giant. Yeah, well, they've got a red card from us for now. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, something a little bit unusual. We're going to give two red cards this week. Um, the uh, second one Don't is say one... we never gave you anything, folks. Well, that's right. Um, yeah, I came across an interesting one this week in my uh, my usual sort of surfing of eBay for uh, all, you know, all things uh, Nazi. No, no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I do not serve eBay for Nazi paraphernalia, just to make it clear. Mm-hmm. Um, Nazi or nasty? Nasty, na- nasty Nazis. <laughs> Subgenre. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, my gosh. Getting back on track. Um, no, look, one of the things that I'm always checking eBay for is the, the sideshow premium format Captain America that came out some time back and, and now goes for a, uh, I think it's about a standard kidney on the secondary market. <laughs> I was going to um, say a kidney and a liver, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very expensive figure. But um, because I tend to search using sort of fairly wide um, search parameters, then I, I just type in something like Captain America Premium. And uh, something very interesting came up. And uh, if, it's just almost – it's too hard to describe. But uh, all right, well, let's, let's have a go. It's essentially a life-size red skull. Now, this this I'm thing already. Sorry. <laughs> um, look, it's it looks to be some kind of mannequin, like imagine a store mannequin that someone has outfitted, and uh, so it's probably just the waist up. It looks like it's just a, a half thing, but it is life size, and. This person has gone through uh, a, a, a lot of trouble to to go for detail, and they've essentially dressed him up as a Nazi. So this guy has the, the full-on swastika armband and all the, the, you know, the eagle paraphernalia and the little, the little Maltese cross, the whole thing, with this really gaudy, 
skull painted red stuck on top. And uh, they're asking the, the grand sum of $775 for this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've left you guys speechless, haven't Look, I? <laughs> well, I was just actually looking at the listing and what, what's really thrown me is um, that the listing description starts with, you are bidding on my pride and joy. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's I, just, just disturbing <laughs> i'm trying to picture getting this thing through customs um you know it's uh, oh no look honestly officer it's uh it's it's you know based on a comic book character it's, it's nothing to do with my you know fascination with with nazi paraphernalia yeah it's um, not nazis it's the ratsies it's the ratsies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right so look i, I think the worst thing was you know, imagine bizarre. if you lived in germany and wanted this thing Oh, dear. So, yeah. It's uh, it's just the most bizarre thing. And, I mean, it's not even the, – the skull is not even particularly well done. Certainly the costume is. So, um, Well, I guess the, the good news is, just from looking at it, is that if you felt that 775 was, you know, too steep, um, it, uh, surprisingly no one seems to have bought it the first time around. So it's been relisted at a, a very um, generous 755. Sold. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you never subsidise yeah. the postage. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a, what is the postage? Oh, it's not available to Australia. Ah, uh, no, that's just uh, bloody discriminatory. Oh well. Oh well. Maybe next time. <laughs> maybe next. All right. <laughs> that that's, that that is that's just hilarious. That's hilarious. It, I tell you what, it does. Um, it's something that annoys me that he, that he's done here. What people do all the time is put you know names like sideshow bowen whatever in descriptions that aren't just yes. just to get you to check you know so you get things saying you know great this and then they'll say not sideshow <laughs> like <laughs> not not hot toys like oh no. <laughs> yes i'm glad i explained my search parameters so yeah <laughs> very good all right well if there's no other comments on this monstrosity we're gonna wrap up our red cards of the week and now you can build your own King Kong with these challenging King Kong model kits. You need no glue, no special tools. Just snap together and paint it, and you have a realistic model of Kong fighting the giant snake. Well, nostalgia plays a major factor in the buying habits of the adult collector, so it's a little wonder that many of the toy lines we enjoy collecting today have links to properties from the past. And in recent times, we've seen the resurgence of classic toy lines like Masters of the Universe and Thundercats, and another classic property, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, is about to reappear in the toy aisles again. So in the Toy of the Week for Episode 5, we talked about the return of Marvel Legends. Um... With all of this in mind, we thought we'd focus on resurrected toy lines as our discussion topic of the week, and both in terms of the lines we're excited to see return and those we'd really love to be given a, a second chance to shine again. So we're going to go around the table with two questions tonight, first off by focusing on our favourite resurrected toy lines and then doing a bit of dreaming of other lines we'd like to be able to buy again. So let's start with you, Scott. So what resurrected lines have you been happiest to see back on the shelves? Well... Uh... The one that that really comes to mind for me is um, the, the the recent go that Art Asylum and Diamond Select had with the Star Trek properties. Um, the first action figures I think I ever owned were the Mego Star Trek figures, um, and sadly I think I was a bit too um, young to kind of look after them properly, and none of them survived into adulthood. But I remember I had I had them all. I had the Enterprise playset as well, 
And um, the Art Asylum figures in particular that came out a few years ago now um, of the original series were really beautiful, uh, you know, and whether you reference them back to those, you know, that those Mego lines or to the Playmate, you know, start Playmate Star Trek figures, I think in terms of something that's come back and has um, really outdone what was done before, um, that whole line. Once Diamond Select took over the Star Trek figures on their own without Art Asylum involved, the quality wasn't there in quite the same way. Um, but, you know, they really did a fantastic job of fleshing out um, the different crews for Next Generation and for Deep Space Nine as well. The only thing I'd say is a shame about the that most recent run is that they did leave a couple of gaps. Um, you know, we didn't get a, a Tasha Yar in the um, Next Generation line, and they solicited um, a couple of the original series characters um, like uh, Nurse Chapel and um, Yeoman Rand and then cancelled them, you know, which is a bit of a shame. But Oh, it, those characters. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, what? <laughs> that was sarcasm, by the way. Please oh, continue. Shut up. <laughs> Somebody's taking the piss. <laughs> but, yeah, in terms of, you know, if you're taking a completist you know, line to it, particularly for the original series figures, which were fantastic. They would have been great to have. Um, but, the you know, overall, the line really was fantastic. So if I had to, to pick a favourite resurrected line, that would be it. Intr- yeah. Sorry, Scott. Yeah. Would, you, would you be more interested in them starting again or just picking up from where they left off? Oh, picking up where they left off. Um, that You know, they are – when you go back to – the the original series figures they're fantastic and they they did reissue them as well because some of the plastic on the very first ones that came out um if you go back and look now it's not wearing very well but they did um reissue some of those um figures so i remember seeing them this is kind of right before i started collecting um i saw the original series figures in toys r us here and was just captivated by them because you know they were i mean you're never going to get a great kirkhead sculpt because you know they say that william shatner is one of those people who is just really hard to capture a likeness of in a yeah. in a sculpt but um some of the other head sculpts of those art asylum original series uh, figures are stunning for a six inch line and you know they went off then and did things like you know the wrath of khan figures which are fantastic um i really like the next generation line as well there were a couple of scale issues like i said in there so you've got a couple of figures like um data and geordie that are actually a bit too short for the rest of the line uh but still, just in terms of the the scope, you know, they, they did a lot of different versions of those characters as well. So, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lovely line. So if I had to choose a resurrected one that was my favourite, that would definitely be it. Yeah, excellent. Very good. Very good. All right, Eli, um, what about you? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think probably the Masters of the Universe stuff. Um would probably be uh, the best resurrected thing I've seen that I could call a resurrected line in terms of uh, the context that we're talking about. Um, and, you know, I by no means uh, want any everything in in the, the line that's coming out at the moment. You know, I had one, one year of the subscription dumped 70% of it. Um, but I just think it's come back so well, such the right spirit 
um, in the way it's tackled that it go, yeah, you know, it really reminds me of those clunky bow-legged things that were all the rage in the 80s, but it's not the clunky bow-legged things from the 80s, you know. It's, <laughs> it looks cool. So much more. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you've got your – I've got my He-Man on this battle cat and I've got Skeletor and Man-at-Arms and Moss Man and they're all, you know, they're all really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think to to little bit – the same thing is the DC Universe classics. For me, they're just an extension of what superpowers were um, in the, in the 80s. Um, we're getting all those sort of same figures and I think one of the guys on one of the boards, you know, he's he set up a display with, you know, the DCUC version next to the superpowers versions. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, uh, they are. Yeah. And I know the four horsemen are real. They really loved the superpowers line and they paid a lot of tribute to it. Mm. Um, so I sort of counted as a resurrected line uh, myself, even though we're getting a lot more um, characters, mm. um, you know, 20-plus waves of stuff you may or may not want. Um, so, yeah, but I, I would say Masters of the Universe is the most, uh, for me, the one I like the best and I'm probably the most successful in um, reminis- being reminiscent of the original line. Yeah. So Ben, I guess that leaves you for that um, first question. You know, what's what resurrected toy line is your favourite? Uh, if I had to pick a favourite, it's definitely Marvel Legends. Uh, we talked about it uh, last week quite extensively, and I, I suppose this is really the third go around for Marvel Legends. If you count the Hasbro sort of picking up after Toy Biz folded, but um, so that's far and away my, my favourite resurrected toy line. But um, one I don't think people sort of realise is the the Future Armour line from Toy Army was actually the the second go around for Future Armour. Oh, that's so, true. That's true. Yeah, I'm really grateful they picked it up because um, they just did a fantastic job. They gave us some of the most sort of obscure characters from the show, and uh, I, I've loved everything about them. But but one that I guess has a, a little bit of a, a an odd note to it. I was really quite excited to see the return of the Thundercats, but I'm yet to actually pick up a single figure. Mm. Um, I I wasn't impressed with the eight inch figures, like the just the scale um, is is not my favourite scale. And generally speaking, I try not to go with three and three quarter. But then when they announced the six inch scale figures, I was actually really excited. I thought, yep, I'm definitely picking them up. But um, yeah, as of right now, I still haven't picked them up. I'm I'm a little bit uncertain about Bandai's commitment to the the six inch scale, and I'm actually not going to pick them up until we get a complete um, a complete crew. Uh, and either the the modern uh, or the retro, I, I'm I'm happy with either the classics or, or the new figures, but I want to be able to get every character um, in the one scale. So yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. That, I yeah. think we talked about that maybe in in our very first episode that. You know, it's great to see it happening, but they seem to have been almost a little bit uh, hyperactive in terms of attacking so many different scales at once instead of just kind of focusing on one that you feel like you can commit to. Yeah. So, so you've been unfortunate, and I'd love to be able to support Bandai, but I really just don't want to have a a half-completed team sitting on my shelf. So, Bandai, get your act together. All right, well, that's interesting. I mean, uh, there's plenty of things happening out there, but really, guys, if there was a property out there that you could see sort of, um, you know, made into a toy line, resurrected or, or otherwise, um, you know, what what would you like to see resurrected again? 
Um, I've got I've got two, and um, one is Gatchaman, which yeah. which depending on where you grew up, um, you might know it as G Force or as Battle of the Planets, um, and yeah, you know, there's been a number of different um Gatchaman lines throughout the years um you know in different different scales um it, you know there's been a few that have kind of started and then not finished um diamond selectors had a go at it um but i've never come across one that i can kind of find in a complete set anywhere they're pretty hard to track down on ebay and um i would actually love to see a, a 12 inch you know ideally hot toys um, line approach because I just love the characters that much that I, yeah. I would definitely buy it. Or even, uh, you know, kind of Kotobukiya, um, vinyl line, they would lend themselves very well to that as well. Um, I, I just have such great memories of that, that show as a kid. It was kind of my, you know, definitely my first, um, introduction to anime. Um, but, you know, something that really captured my imagination. I've got all the, um, the different versions on, on DVD, um, you know, the Japanese and then the two different English translations. So big fan. And so uh, were you, were you as surprised as I was when you saw the original Japanese ones that featured, you know, Princess in the Shower and things like that? Oh, was... goodness me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and just, like, you know, getting, getting to know the history of it, because I grew up with the G-Force version. Yeah. That's what we yeah. saw in the States. Um, Sandy Frank presents. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And even to, you know, kind of look into it as an adult and realize, well, there was actually two different English translations of it. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Japanese as well. It's just a, it's a fascinating property and um, something I, I'd love to see, um, you know, done well. Um, but I have to hedge my bets because the other one that I would go for just as well would be a, a proper look at um, V. Uh, I okay. was absolutely fascinated by that uh, the original kind of two miniseries um, of V, and I know there were some three and three quarter toys, but obviously never a big licensing um, go at it. And you know, I, I love those original characters as much as well. I'd love to see that come back in some way. So that if I had to, if I had to bring one back and have it done properly, be Gatchaman that for sure. But I got to put a little vote out there for V as well. Gatchaman's a bit of a weird one. I mean, those uh, Diamond Select, those figures were... I thought they captured the spirit really well, but mm. uh, the big issue was the deterioration of the capes. Yes. And, yeah. And I think also where the, the 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 sort of the mask thing came down on them made their faces a little bit wonky. But other than that, I thought, you know, the, the default pose and was, was pretty cool and I really yeah. liked the look of it. Yeah. Um, the Medicom, what scale were they? Were they 10 or 12 inch? Oh, I think inch? they're, I want to say 10 inch 10, from yeah, memory. 10. Yeah. There was actually two different types and, um, and they haven't, you, you couldn't get a, a full set of them, but the, yeah. the first crack they had at Mark and Jason or Ken or God, and they've, Joe. <laughs> depends on which, depends on which translation. That's <laughs> right. But, um, apparently the first version of those is, uh, as opposed to the second version, the first version was the more detailed and it's harder to get and more expensive. The second version was, oh, shit, we need to make some more of those, so we'll just make a cheaper version and get them out there. <laughs> and you can still get those ones for a reasonable price, even 40 50 bucks if you really wanted to. Mm. I don't think they ever finished the team, though, did they? No, no. no I think, I think um, the, the two main guys and, and Princess 
got to look in in one of them, but not in both of them. From yeah. what I, yeah. I think what's really good about the line is, despite the fact that we we have the the five main sort of science ninjas, um, you know, and you you obviously want to go to Zoltar, etc. There'd be great capacity to you know buy a dozen of you know Spectra soldiers as well. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, obviously, we wouldn't get a, a fiery phoenix or anything like that. But certainly, each of their vehicles could be a possibility. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. What about you, Elo? Um, I yeah, Gatchaman is is up there. Um, Centurions maybe be something that I think could be done really well if it was done yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, yes. And definitely. and. But probably something a little bit like the way Maddie is handling Voltron as just a, a mini resurrection. It doesn't need, you know, a big deal. It's, it's no. probably only um, serious collector only. But, yeah. yeah, Centurions, I think, would do really well. And, you you know, you can do all sorts of accessories with those and yeah, it'd be a good yeah. thing. Even um, the idea... Sorry, just even the idea of, of buying accessory packs. So, you know, you, you have one or two figures, but then you can get all the, the variant sort of weapon packs uh, yeah. on their own that just snap on. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so air, air, air packs and underwater packs and stuff mm. like that. Th- that may be a viable way to get them because it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens with Maddie Collector. Like, you know, Voltron to me is a really clever um, thing, because, but, but it's got a limited life in it in terms of, you know, seriously, how many characters are they going to produce? and what will people buy and so you you know they might be thinking ahead to what other properties they could do something similar with that it's a short-term commitment from them as well um but you know gotcha man's a good example and centurion is as well that um you know could work for them quite well Mm. i think um i think it's the problem with centurions and i'm just making an assumption here but it just doesn't have the the other um sort of pop culture artifacts around like Gatchaman does mm. uh, or Voltron, you know, they, they have a whole other um, cartoon sort of history behind them. Yeah. While there was a Centurion cartoon, I don't think many people remember it outside of, oh, those were the toys, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just loved the cartoon. I, I thought it was, was fantastic. But, I mean, the only thing is, you know, I used to I, – I guess as a youngster – and I mean, another sort of possible future discussion topic was, you know, how they often used to reuse a lot of the animation. Um, mm. They reuse it to save money, and so you know, you'd um, you'd get someone like Jake, who you know, who turned into Wild Weasel. And as a kid, I'd be like, Oh, come on, Wild Weasel, really? Again? Like, come on, doesn't he have anything else? You know? And I'd actually be excited when he chose something other than Wild Weasel. So. Yeah. Um, but I think the other one, and it's probably even more nostalgic um, because I actually had some of them, or, or rather I um, bought them for my younger brother for his Christmas, was a whole bunch of uh, Brave Star. Mm. Uh, Brave nice. Star, I thought, was it, it was and looking back at it for the scale it was, it was, you know, seven inch scale and the articulation for the time it was like late eighties. It was pretty, actually pretty good. And I can, again, I can see that being done really well yes. uh, in this day and age. And I, I think, um, you know, the, and it's not a massive line again, you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing necessarily, but you know, it probably needs you know another cartoon or something behind it to, to for that ever to be, you know, make uh to be a realistic thing to come back. But if you're talking about things I'd like to see, I reckon Bravestar would be the one. 
Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, um, yeah, one of mine that I I was mainly a Star Wars kid. I, I mainly had Star Wars figures. That was the thing that I used to always get for birthdays and Christmas. And um, as I sort of got a bit older and I had a few of the Masters of the Universe, etc. But one line that was constantly interspersed amongst all my other stuff, and looking back at it now, I, I, I didn't really sort of understand how they all fit together because... Um, uh, I guess I was probably just too young, and that is the Micronauts. Mm. And uh, I had those as a, a really sort of wee fella, and uh, I think they they basically made them up until about 1980 or something when they were when they were sort of cancelled. At, at um, but I I had quite a few of them, and I I think Andy did as well. Had the uh, the space cruiser, which was this giant sort of ship for the Micronauts, and it was electronic and. You know, the remote control and you could sort of drive it around the lounge room and that sort of thing. But it was um, this great series of sort of interconnecting bits and pieces. And, uh, yeah, I, I know uh, there was a company that tried to resurrect it a few years ago and it, um, it didn't really sort of take off and it was a bit of a shame. But I guess now I tend to think of the Micronauts more in terms of the Marvel comic. Yes, of course. Yeah. So you know, as much as I would love to see um, Acroya and Biotron and characters like that um, from the original toy line, I, I, my, I guess the nostalgia tends to lean towards um, the the comic versions of these characters. So, the but Michael the idea Golden style. Yeah, and look, you know, not to um, not to you know big note myself, but I had the opportunity to chat to Michael Golden um, at San Diego last year, and and I was chatting to him about Micronauts, and I said, look, I hope I'm not boring you because you've probably heard this you know a thousand times, and he was just fantastic. He said, you know, look, people um, love that stuff, and I'm proud of it, and you know, we had quite a good chat about the Micronauts, and yeah, that's something I'd I'd really like to see come back. Yeah, Mi- Micronauts is one of those toy lines for me as a kid that I was really aware of and always looked at in the toy aisle but never never got you know so I, I, it's kind of one of those things that I on one level I know a lot about but on another level never experienced but um yeah. I do I do I remember having some of the comics as well and so you know I could see I could see myself going for some of those characters for sure if they ever came around yeah, I don't even know what happened to my figures. The, I've only got one left, and it's uh, it's actually Force Commander. And uh, he was the figure, and his limbs were actually held on by magnets. As you do. Yeah, and, and I, <laughs> looking back now, that was actually quite amazing. Like his his shoulder joints and his, his sort of hip joints are these ball bearings that click into the sockets. And, um, of course, it makes the articulation sort of fairly smooth as well, and... Um, you know, that was pretty amazing for the time. I and mean, you're talking sort of mid-70s here when, mm-hmm. when he came out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Speaking of Marvel comics and, and toys, um, what about ROM? Yeah, ROM's a funny one. Um, I, I was a big fan of the ROM comic, and uh, to this day I've always been after a ROM. And I did actually have a ROM action figure years ago um, uh, out of some nostalgia for the comic. I tracked one down. This is actually pre-internet days. This is way back when uh, CBG actually had a sister publication that was um, called Toy Shop. Yep. And uh, I, I tracked one down, and when it arrived, it was horrendous. Um this figure is just the most pathetic-looking thing you've ever seen. Um, <laughs> it, it, if you've ever got um, the inclination, go and check out the, the Wikipedia entry on the ROM action figure. It, um, 
it's actually a really good history of how it came about. And, you know, it was originally going to be called COBOL, um, you know, as a, a, a tip of the hat to the programming language. And because, you know, that, that would have been dated by now. So um, the figure really is a terrible figure. And so I think any, any uh, fan of ROM is, is clearly a fan of the comic book and not the original toy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. um, but something that is actually uh, interesting is Hasbro actually has the rights to ROM. Really? So, yeah, it's actually very peculiar. I didn't um, know that. So clearly, Marvel hasn't done anything with ROM uh, because they obviously have to pay Hasbro a licensing fee. But mm. then Hasbro haven't done anything with ROM, so it's really quite perplexing that Hasbro wouldn't let. Marvel have the rights for a nominal fee. I mean, you might as well generate some income rather than none. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd love to see ROM and certainly the other Space Knights as well. Um, I mean, ROM is actually getting around in the Marvel Universe, but he's not called ROM anymore, so (laughs) I think um, Jim Starlin took care of that. But, anyway, that's another story for another time. (laughs) (laughs) Another discussion topic altogether. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess uh, something else is the the, the sort of reoccurrence of the Mio-themed figures. Uh, We've seen a few different companies do that sort of format. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, Mattel... Had a had a stab at it. I would have loved to have seen that go a bit further, and I, I'd I'd love to see them try a bit more with that because I think that um, there were definitely more characters that would have worked, but obviously they didn't find the sales were uh, acceptable to them. But Biff Bang Pow is doing them as well as we discussed a couple episodes ago, and you know, they're coming out in some different formats. So there's obviously still some nostalgia for them. Yeah, and of course, Captain Action is uh, is now sort of making a comeback. Indeed, indeed. Something else I was thinking about too um, was, uh, in terms of a line, I'd love to see come back. I really loved the DC Direct Pocket superheroes. Anyone, oh yes, anyone remember yes. those? No, just, I mean, just because you know, I think my, my thing's always been about team building and universe building and just having them. And it was kind of a, you know, a, 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 they, they were cute. They were. You know, kind of hokey, but but fun, and you know that that was something I felt like died before its time, like many DC Direct lines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they did all right for a while, didn't they? Because we even got um, the JLA, um, what do you call it, the table thingy. That's right, <laughs> the, the table thingy. That's, I think, I'm pretty sure that was the actual title of it. <laughs> and didn't it come with an exclusive figure? It did. It came with the Martian Manhunter. Oh, poor Andy. <laughs> And there was a there were a few box sets. There was a Green Lantern box set as well. Um, yeah, I I have I I mean I have to say if they came back I'd have to do a lot of bat buying because I have sold pretty much all of mine off um, over the years except for the Ultra Boy and Phantom Girl, seeing as it's the only you know Phantom Girl figure ever made besides Hero Clicks. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking about. Um... I guess some of the stuff that Shocker Toys was doing, and wouldn't it be fantastic to see some sort of sort of nice articulated six-inch line devoted to like the pulp characters, like the Shadow and Doc Savage and the Spider and mm. characters like that. Mm. I'm sure that'd be on a lot of people's custom lists too. Absolutely. Yeah, but licensing issues we'd be keeping those out of the market generally. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see which ones are actually in the public domain. Um, I mean, I, I was extremely disappointed that 
the John Carter movie didn't generate any kind of merchandise. Um, we, we had a, uh, a, an Edgar Rice Burroughs-inspired toy line sort of back in the mid-'90s, um, which covered both the Tarzan universe and the uh, John Carter universe that uh, we've seen very, very little since. I think there was a company that did a... Um, I'm not sure if it was Triad Toys, but um, someone's actually done a couple of 12-inch figures of John Carter, and they actually did Tars Tarkas as well, and he's a, a giant of a figure. Hmm. So... Yeah, so that was a bit disappointing. I was looking forward to you know having a nice John Carter figure on the shelf, but that never happened. Yeah, yeah so any uh, last-minute additions to the discussion topic, guys? I think um, Silverhawks is a, a line that a lot of people talk about as something that they'd like to see you know, come back. I, um, I don't have a particular nostalgia for them, but it, it's a, a name that comes up a lot and, um, you know, I could see that doing, doing well just because of the nostalgia factor. Yeah. And I think one line that is a bit sort of all over the place and in particular you have to go to Japanese sort of exports for it and that's Robotech. Mm. So I, I know we certainly get Veritech fighters and that sort of thing, but sort of a, a generic sort of, I don't know, six-inch scale line doesn't seem to uh, to exist. And, well, if it does, it's sort of uh, not a, a US mainstream line. It's interesting um, thinking about the um, Masters of the Universe classics and um, and what has happened to the demand for the vintage He-Man figures. Um I, I know I wasn't personally looking for any of the vintage figures before the um, the classics got uh, launched, but I've noticed um, there is a hell of a lot of them on the market, and I wouldn't be surprised if people are just offloading them now because they're not that special because they've been resurrected, and maybe people are going, I'd rather have the new modern figures because they look better than these bow-legged pieces of plastic I've got. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I wonder if that applies to, to anything in this sort of, uh, in, you know, resurrected lines and that sort of aftermarket um, worth that's, that's, that's applied to these, um, these hunks of plastics that we like. I wonder, though, if there's more um, interest in demand for, you know, some of those things when there is a revival so that it could, because it just, you know, resurrects that awareness of it. You know, you think about the, the He-Man toys as an example. I hadn't really given them much thought until Masters of the Universe Classics came around again. And I think that's that's part of what the whole nostalgia thing is, is that you look at it and go, oh, I had some of those. Mm, and yeah. then, you know, for some people who have them around, you know, they might look at them and, and then think, well, actually, I'd rather have those original ones again and, you know, and start collecting them. So it'd be interesting to kind of see what it does to the secondary market of the originals when a... Uh, a resurrected uh, a line is resurrected yeah i can certainly tell you that um it's actually quite the opposite with uh back issues uh i'm quite a, a back issue buyer and you'd think that um when a movie like captain america or thor comes out it would drive up the price of back issues because people go and see the movie and then get online to have a look at the comics but i actually think it's the opposite because what actually happens is you, you get the popularity of a movie like captain america but then every man and his dog and you know comic shop owner and whoever suddenly go digging through their back rooms <laughs> looking for every issue of captain america they've got because you know they're bound to make a fortune if they can get this stuff on ebay quick enough and so you actually get almost like a bit of a glut 
and mm. uh, and it really is a buyer's market because so many people uh, have these issues and, and get them up for sale. That is that's interesting. I was thinking one one particular figure um, that uh, was worth a lot um, was the um, DCD's Blue Beetle, the Ted yes. Cord version that was around for quite a while, and it was the only Ted Cord um, representation in circulation in that scale until DC Universe Classics released theirs in Wave Six, perhaps six or seven. Seven um, was yeah. And then suddenly those DCD Blue Beetle prices just plummeted. People was going, well, that was great, but this is so much better. Yeah, that is, that's true. I think that you know sometimes when you have a a particular figure like that, that um, it, you can take some of the demand out of the market for it when they know that there's a new one coming. You know. yeah. I'm just having a look on eBay for um, vintage. Masses of the Universe um, prices, and there's still some some pretty hefty um, auctions there, both for the original and also for the um, you know the 2000 um, revisit. Um, I know some things, you know, like Zodak, uh, the the 2000 Zodak is a a rare figure, but you know that's going for 180 dollars with time to go, and um, yeah, so it's interesting. $180 for an action figure, that's just crazy. <laughs> Jesus. Who would pay that? You can still get the vintage Ram Man for 20 bucks. <laughs> he hasn't, uh, the poor fella hasn't aged well, has he? <laughs> Looks like something you'd want to kick. The, that's, it's funny though, because Ram Man is the, well, I'm hanging out for Ram Man. Yeah. You know, that's the, but I, I reckon, I'm, I'm worried that we'll never get him because they're, 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 they know people want him. They're holding off and then they'll cancel the line and we'll never get Ram Man. <laughs> yeah, there'll be three prototypes that go to eBay. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Now, just before we wrap up, one um, thing that I did tonight was went out to our Facebook page and Twitter feed and mentioned the discussion topic and asked people what either their favorite resurrected toy lines were or the lines that they would like to see come back. And we've had a couple of responses. We have Macario on our Facebook page um, says, I want Dino Riders back, enough said. So I don't know if there's any Dino Riders love out there. Yeah, there's actually a guy at work who has a, a ton of them all over his desk. Well, he's not, he's, yeah. he's not called Macario, is he? Not that I know of. I should actually go and find out if they're worth money. It could be like a you know, gold mine. Woohoo. <laughs> you could just siphon them off, you know, kind of like yeah. week by week and maybe you wouldn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we had a vote for Dino Riders, but then we actually got a couple of replies on Twitter from the Four Horsemen. Oh, cool. oh shit! Did I say? Did I say good I mean, things about their stuff before? You did. You did. Yeah, oh, you did. Okay. You did. Yeah, the, the, um, I'm not sure which one of them it is that runs the Twitter account, but they do kind of reply to some of the reviews and things. Um, occasionally they pointed out to me that in my Guardians of the Galaxy uh, review last week that I had someone's bicep around the wrong way, um, but v- very nicely in good humour. Um, um, but they came back with two tweets in reply to what would you like to see come back. The first one, they said, Thundercats done the right way by us. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd buy those guys. Yeah, we, yeah, we definitely would buy them. And then they said, but seriously, Macroman slash Macronauts seriously missed that line. 
Yes. Um, so, well, guys, get the license. <laughs> and then, I want to buy a Tron. Yeah. <laughs> and then they also said, also, now I'm going to have Zvoz, X-E-V-O-Z. And they said that was a spectacular toy line that died only because it was marketed badly. Ah, yeah, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it either, but they were, were they those little wacky sort of showdown type figures that they came in sort of dozens of pieces and you could sort of snap them all together. They were little sort of fiery winged dudes and sort of scorpion mutant things. And Yeah, I, I'm with the Four Horsemen on this. The marketing must have been really bad because I've, <laughs> I've never heard of them. <laughs> came and went. Came and went. Yeah, so but, you know, thanks for that that feedback, guys, and thanks for um, actually paying attention to us. That's <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, thanks very much. We'll f- we feel really uh, really special now. Now um, get back to sculpting those um, Doom Patrol figures. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up the discussion topic of the week, and we'll come back after this short message with feedback and close. Well, we've had quite a bit of feedback over the last couple of episodes, which is really good. We've been getting uh, both Twitter and Facebook comments, as well as uh, plenty of emails too. So we're going to have a bit of a run-through and talk about uh, some of the things that have been coming in. Um, One of the things we'd like to mention uh, on behalf of the team is to just thank those people who have actually taken the time to give us um, some reviews on iTunes and rate us five out of five. Thank you. (laughs) So one, one star for each of the awesome anchors. So, yeah, thanks very much for that, people. And uh, we would also just like to mention that the winner of the AFB podcast competition from last week, the guys from the Massive Attack podcast, they were actually uh, pretty excited to win that. And they listened to the episode and uh, mentioned on Twitter that um, that they'd uh, won the prize and that they were very excited. So that was nice. And, and we, some- we somehow managed with that uh, to um, because the, the prize is coming from the States, because it's coming from Mike, and we managed to randomly select the only Australian entry, I think, in, <laughs> in the, in the, in the, uh, the whole thing, because those guys are actually based in Melbourne. Um, which oh, I, fantastic. Yeah, I, had, I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't realise at the time. So, yay, international shipping. Woo! <laughs> damn, damn. <laughs> Uh, just just to prove it wasn't rigged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, good point. All right. Um, yeah, we actually got an email from uh, a guy named Jared, and uh, Jared just sort of mentioned that he's enjoying the podcast, and uh, he's actually an Aussie and mentions that he has lived in both Canberra and Melbourne. doesn't say where he is now, but um, really sort of appreciates the, the local perspective on things and uh, the collecting sort of highs and lows that come with it. And Jared's uh, quite a fan of um, film in particular and obviously the merchandise that goes along with that but uh, he actually mentioned a future discussion topic that uh, asking us that we might consider it and that is that giving the the rise in collecting that's taken place are there any properties out there that we think would be a great candidate for an action figure line and uh, Jared yes the short answer is most definitely and <laughs> in fact um, yeah that is actually going to be a future discussion topic so um, thanks very much for that and you can listen out to that one uh, in a future episode thank you Jared 
Yeah, and uh, Eli, you've actually got some feedback. Yeah, David on uh, Facebook has left uh, a note for, for the podcast. He's saying he just started listening to this show. He was uh, currently up to episode three. Um, likes the fact that we cover all the different lines of figures. Um, I'm sure we don't cover anywhere near all of them, but we try to, we've got a pretty broad range of, range of tastes. Um, and he likes all the segments, loves the retro commercial intermissions as well. And, uh, makes a comment about our Aussie accents. He he's really happy about hearing them as opposed to whiny yanks, which Hey. <laughs> was a bit odd. Uh, you don't but, count, but, he, Scott. <laughs> but he did he did say he's a yank as well, so no, good on him. No, Scott doesn't count because he's got that weird hybrid accent. I do. <laughs> I, I have I call it the accent without country because now wherever I go people ask me where I'm from. So, ah, yeah. <laughs> so does that mean you've got like a support group that's just like you and Christopher Lambert? Or? Yeah, I don't know. No, just you know, like in, in Australia, people usually they don't usually don't guess American. They usually guess Scottish or something. And um, <laughs> when I go back home, they say, "Honey, I just love your accent. Where are you from?" <laughs> it's it's Canadish. Well, look where I grew up. I can say to them Zimbabwe, and they go, "Really?" <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. All right. Well, moving on with our feedback, uh, uh, Scott, you had another one. Yeah, we got an email from a, a fellow called Mark. He had a few things to say. He's an American um, from Wisconsin. Hello, Wisconsin. And uh, he said he listened to episodes one to five all the, straight through. So um, wow. very dedicated. And uh, he likes the rotating hosts and the fact that's that we're... That's a solid work day, isn't that's it? That's a solid work day, yep. He likes <laughs> the fact that we're you know, taking turns in terms of who's on and who's... Um, hosting, so thanks for that feedback. Um, he said, I did think that episode four was my favorite, and one reason was that with only three guys, there was more of a chance for you to talk. Have you thought about what number of hosts you're going to try to have? Just a thought. And uh, yet, yeah, we, we do take that on board. We're, we don't want to set a a, a rule, but as you can tell, we've got three tonight, and we are going to try and work on three as a, a basis, just to make sure everybody gets to have a go. Um, so you didn't leave anything out of that feedback that said, because I was the host... I didn't edit this at all, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> just fishing, just fishing. Uh, just fishing uh, it yeah. could have been just because I wasn't on, so. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't edit that out either. There are so tactful just... ways to say things, Ben, and that's <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah, thanks, that's right. Yeah, that's Cheers. right. <laughs> and thank you and good night. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he has another um, comment as well, and I'll just read this verbatim so that we uh, we can – uh, get a clear picture. He says, one thing I have to pick you up on, though, in the Marvel Legends discussion, Ben kept saying stuff like Thor is 6-4, etc., and I have to say that kind of talk really gets me. First off, it makes you sound like you think the characters are real, which I'm sure you don't, right? And secondly, people who quote stats like Marvel Universe and DC Who's Who like it's the Bible of the comics seem to miss to me that it's a fictional creative genre and that writers and artists have to be allowed some room to move in how they approach the characters. I'm not saying I think the scale of the Marvel Legends extremist Iron Man is good, he's too short for sure, but when you say it's too short because Iron Man is 6'3", it pushes my fanboy button. I hope you don't mind the little rant i am really enjoying the show uh, sorry can we just focus a little bit what, what do you mean they're not real uh, <laughs> yeah mark i don't know how to tell you this but um... we're taking uh, shit seriously uh, yep. mark uh, i sincerely apologize for my uh, my nerd knowledge i didn't mean to upset you <laughs> <laughs> look I, I mean i was thinking about how to respond to this and i, I do think that probably you know people engage with 
this in different ways. And as he says, you know, he thinks um, extremist Iron Man is too small. Now, for some people, you know, like Ben in the way that, that he thinks, um, that's because, you know, it's based on that kind of understanding of what's been established about characters' heights, etc. I, I have to admit, I'm not a stats guy. I'm not the kind of person that could tell you what Marvel Universe or, or who's who says about characters. It mystifies me a little bit sometimes when people get too, you know, pedantic about that kind of thing. But And, and I measure things more on, you know, what I'm used to seeing or what's been established by the way that, you know, things usually are presented visually. So it's, you know, it's probably more to do with just how our brains work and, you know, whether you're a numbers guy or more of a visual person. Um, so yeah, don't, don't, um, judge us too much just on the basis of, you know, a a couple of little comments. Yeah, I'll come to bat for you as well. Ben, Ben is, um, Marvel guy. He knows he's been reading these characters for, I don't know how long, Ben, 30 years or something. Oh, more, but you know, don't don't let yeah. on because I'm I'm still young. <laughs> still young, but you know, it's it's not like you've just you know read these stats last week or anything. It is something that you you know you're pretty familiar with. Hmm. Yeah, I guess what I was really sort of getting at was, um, look, I, I have a vested interest in these characters. I've been around them my whole life, and and so getting the opportunity to see them rendered um, as action figures is certainly fun. But um, and and look. You know, debating the difference between, say, Thor and Captain America, who, you know, I'm not going to actually get into their heights, um, lest I set off Mark again. Um, but, you know, if you are collecting stuff, I mean, imagine if you were collecting Bowen statues and you, you know, you loved uh, Wolverine and the Hulk, and, you know, Bowen does both the action statues and the museum statues. And if you lined up a Wolverine action statue and a, a Hulk action statue and then found out that Wolverine and Hulk were actually the same size, you'd, you'd probably, be, <laughs> you know, you'd be severely disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah. and you'd say, look, Wolverine needs to be smaller, but, well, how much smaller does he need to be? Well, it's like, oh, I don't know. He's not as big as the Hulk. And it's like, well, you, you can't tell me how much smaller he needs to be then. And and I think a lot of the, the stats, certainly with the Marvel Universe handbooks and things like that and the DC Who's Who, I mean, a lot of that stuff actually exists for reference, not just to the fans, but to creators as well. Um, it helps sort of put things in perspective. And so I guess, um, I don't know. And I mean, in the scheme of things, if we really wanted to get petty with Marvel Legends, um, they are one twelfth scales, so six inches equals six foot. And to be honest, I actually think that makes the extremist Iron Man pretty close to spot on. It's actually Thor that's, that's hideously oversized. And well, and the, the Steve Rogers figure like yeah he's he's too big if you want to go on that um sort of line yeah but i mean i was sort of putting some of the figures on my shelf and i noticed that hope summers um who's is, that, teenager... is that while you were waving terax around no no this is during the week <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, this is during the week when i, I did more waving okay. and, uh... <laughs> but you know one of the things i noticed was that uh, hope summers is almost the same height as that extremist Iron Man figure. And, look, she's a teenage girl, so it kind of looks awkward when they stand next to each other. But um, I had my Iron Man figure quite close to my Phoenix, Marvel Legends Phoenix uh, figure, the Jean Grey figure, um, and she's actually taller than he is. And so, you know, it looks kind of odd on the shelf. Mm, mm. Um, so, yeah, look, it, it means a lot to me. So I just wonder, I haven't actually, and I thought about this today, is actually putting that figure next to the um, the Iron Man movie figures to see, uh, that Hasbro's put out to see how they actually stack up. Because I wonder if there's not a bunch of retooling there. Oh, look, I mean, so many 
if I stand back and look at my Marvel Legends display, the height inconsistencies are horrible. I mean, easily the worst figure ever has to be the Titanium Man from the, uh, the Iron Man line. I mean, you know, this this guy armored up is about five foot two. Um, you know, he's just tiny. But um, look, it doesn't mean as much as it say as it would in in statues. And and look, it's in the the eye of the beholder. And I was just using the the, the known heights um, as reference. Uh, just to give you a bit of an idea, I mean, sure. it's easy. I think, you know, I'm not trying to de- defend this fellow, but I suppose that, you know, we, we've all participated in or seen those kind of online discussions where people will, you know, go back and forth about arguments about, yeah, but, you know, Thor can, according to Marvel Universe, Thor can bench press this and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, yeah, that can be a bit grating. But yeah, I think that for the purposes of the discussion that, you know, that that you were leading last week and you had 16 figures to go through, it was just, a, a, you know, a, a reference point. So Yeah, and I know, look, it. A lot of it does come down to artistic interpretation. Uh, I mean, uh, without going into details, you know, the Hulk is a certain height and he's often drawn as being, you know, grossly overproportioned. It, it is. Oh, sorry, the Hulk would be a certain height if he were real, just to inca- so no if one picks us up real. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, not, no, not no, even he if he is. He is. <laughs> yeah, because he's in that movie next month. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen him. Oh, okay, right. I. I guess if you were to look at his stats, um, you know, he is a nominal height and uh, you know, a lot of people do actually draw him sort of um, quite o- oversized. Oh, for but sure, yeah. Colossus as well. Colossus is another example that you can see at very different heights to other characters too. Yeah. But one thing that actually comes to mind when certainly when you mention artistic license is um, it's not always artistic license, when, especially if I don my comics history hat and you go back to when Jack Kirby was working on things like um, the Jimmy Olsen comic and um, they didn't like the way he drew Superman, so they actually had Kurt Swan redraw all the faces. Mm, that's right, yeah. So it's not just about artistic interpretation. There is a a, defi- a definitive look for these characters that's generally adhered to. So, but yeah, that's an interesting point and, and well brought up. And um, look, I hope we don't press your uh, your, your fanboy button too many times. Um, but you I know, reckon look- we could have a whole discussion topic on this one, though. Oh, oh look, for be, sure. We could talk <laughs> about fair. Dark Side, for instance. Yeah. We could talk about the Thing again. Yeah. Yeah. There's a but, few. To be fair, we are grown men who have dedicated time to a podcast to talk about the collecting of little plastic dollies. So um, I think the fanboy button was pressed a long time ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, th- thanks, Mark, for your feedback. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode number six of the Action Figure Blues podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us uh, tonight or this morning or whenever you are listening to us currently. And you'll be able to download future episodes of the podcast by going to actionfigureblues.com and clicking on the podcast tab or, of course, by subscribing at iTunes. Now, if you do go to iTunes, please take the time to leave us a positive rating and review. Um, And while you're at actionfigureblues.com, you might like to check out the reviews and articles there and perhaps visit some of our sponsors like Mike S, Big Bad Toy Store, and, of course, Pop Culture. Com, who help keep the site running. When we're not podcasting, blogging, and other assorted hobby-related activities, you can find all of us on the Action Figure Blues forum at afbforum.com. Um, Scott, who do you post as? I post as Andy. And Eli? Dozy Muppet. 
and you'll find myself Ben there as Fish Milkshake. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or suggestions for future Toys of the Week or discussion topics and we certainly have been getting some great feedback on those so we hope we can get around to your suggestion eventually. Um, you can do it by emailing podcast at actionfigureblues.com or by joining the AFB forum and telling us there. You can also follow Action Figure Blues on Twitter at AFBlues and like the Action Figure Blues page on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. All right, guys, well, thank you very much for your company. It's been fun, it's late, and uh, we're ready to sign out. Well done, Ben. Excellent. Well done. All right, guys, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you later. Bye. See ya. Good to go. Scary feet, scary feet, scary feet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It's a, it's a Monsters Inc. reference, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now I get it, yeah. I love oh, that movie. <laughs> we haven't even started and it's begun. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, fucking good on you. Just about to start my countdown. <laughs> you got all your belching and farting out of the way? I'm not belching or farting tonight. I am sneezing. Thank you very much. Get it right. <laughs> uh, that's, I had a much better orifice. I've never right. farted. Uh, ready? Drinks, beverages, <clears throat> throat cleared. All right. <laughs> Nose blown. <laughs> Junk scratched. Oh, yeah, I'll do your own. Thank you very much. Um, it, it's sad that it's kind of. Oh, sorry, I just started reverberating for myself. Oh dear. I'm... <laughs> you can get an you can get an ointment for that. <laughs> Uh, oh the later God. it gets, the worse he gets. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had one. He's <laughs> 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 oh, gone. I'm sorry. Yeah, lost I'm Should we go to the next person? <laughs> no, it was just one, one we'll moment. Return after these messages. <laughs> I know, I know where I can pick up. Okay, five. <laughs> oh. <laughs> From where I left off, morons. <laughs> <laughs>